Ephesians chapter 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. When we understand the text. When we understand the text, a daily study of God's Word, that we may be filled with the knowledge of His will. For questions and comments, send us an email to whenweunderstandthetext at gmail.com. Here's your teacher, Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky, and greetings, everyone. As I shared on Monday, I'm congested this week. It's hard to hold on to my voice for very long. So I'm going to give my voice a rest as far as the podcast is concerned. I've got some other teaching responsibilities at the church. That's where my responsibilities are first before this podcast. (laughs) So I thank you for giving me the week to rest up. God willing, Becky and I will be on together for the Q&A on Friday. In the meantime, I present to you another sermon. This one out of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. On children, honor your parents and fathers. Raise your children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Here's part one. We've been considering various contexts over the last couple of weeks, talking about how we live as Christians, even within the home. We've heard about wives being submissive to your husband. Husband, love your wife as Christ loves the church. And today we get to chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And so in honor of the word of the king, would you please stand as we read together Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. You may be seated as we pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful to you for being such a good father to us. It is through hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, he who died on a cross for our sins and rose again from the grave. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Through the hearing of that gospel and believing in Jesus, we have been adopted into the family of God as we have just sung about. We have become sons and daughters of God. And so, Father, teach us how we are to be your children in this world. Teach our children how they are to honor their father and mother. And teach us as parents how we are to raise our kids. None of us have been perfect fathers. None of us have been perfect children. But we worship a perfect father who gave a perfect son so that through Jesus, we may die to ourselves and live to Christ. Guide us in these truths according to your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. It was this month three years ago that I went to go see Michael W. Smith in concert in Wichita, Kansas. And I took my oldest two children, Annie and Zeej, along with me. 
I grew up a fan of contemporary Christian music in the 80s and 90s, and Michael W. Smith was one of those artists that I love. Now that I listen to that music still to this day, and my kids hear it, they've come to love the artist too. So it was a thrill for me to be able to share with them an artist I used to, I used to see in concert when I was their age, and he's still out there doing things, and so I got to share that with them. We sat on the second row, so we're right there up close and personal to the action. The first song that Smitty opened with was Go West, Young Man, a song that he debuted in 1990. So he had been singing this song for nearly 30 years at the time that he opens with it in this concert. But I noticed that as he went over to his keyboard to play, he kept looking down at his iPad that was right there in front of him on a music stand. And I realized after a moment, he's reading his own lyrics, He wrote this song, he's been singing it for 30 years, and he still has to read his lyrics. And I share that story with you, because as we've been going through these things together in Ephesians 5, I don't think any of us pastors have told you anything that for the most part, most of you haven't heard before. You've heard all this before. Wives, be subject to your husbands. Husband, love your wife as Christ loves the church. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Parents, raise your children up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. But it is good for us to hear these things again because we're prone to forgetfulness. Doesn't matter how many years we've heard them or even said them or shared them with somebody else, we're prone to forget. And so we need these reminders, especially as we consider this in the context of what it means to live as part of the household of God. The Apostle Paul told the Philippians in Philippians 3.1, to say the same things to you again is no trouble for me, and it is a safeguard for you. So let us consider these things together as we explore Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Now, some of the things that I have to say today, I'm saying directly to children. There are kids in here today, and by kids, let's define that as children who are still living at home with mom and dad. Kids, where are you? Raise your hands. Are you in here? Okay. Shouldn't I know some of you adults are young at heart, and you want to raise your hand. I'm just talking to the kids here. So children, there are some things that I have to say to you today. I'm going to be, I'm going to be talking directly to you. And this passage is one of the reasons why I know that that church in Ephesus, this was a family-integrated church. This was not... Hey, we got big people church now, so kids, you go off to children's church, and now we're going to read this letter from Paul to the big people. Paul knew that children were there worshiping together with moms and dads, and so he even makes a point here in this letter to address the children. So boys and girls, some of the things I'm going to say directly to you, and I encourage you to keep your Bible open here to Ephesians chapter 6, set your eyes on the text. So that even if you know the fifth commandment by heart, it's still good for you to read it and let it get into your soul. Now, before we do that, before we get back to this particular section, I want to do a recap of where we've been. So turn with me, everybody do this together. Turn with me back to Ephesians chapter five, starting in verse 15. Ephesians five, beginning in verse 15 where the Apostle Paul gave three contrasts, followed by three commands, and now we're in the middle here of three contexts. So let's look at the first 
of these contrasts. Look at verse 15. He says, therefore, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. There's the first contrast. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. So do not get lazy or complacent, but live in the wisdom of God, especially in these evil days in which we live. Look at verse 17. On account of this, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's the second contrast. So it's almost the same thing repeated. Don't be foolish, but instead be wise to God's desire for you. And how do we know what God's will is? We know it by reading the Bible. Verse 18, here's the third contrast. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Following that, we have three commands. So that the Spirit-filled person will do these things. The man, woman, or even child who is filled with the Spirit of God will look like this. First command, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Okay, now everybody look at me. If you show me a person who loves to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, they love to praise the Lord. And even more than this, they love to get together with the people of God, with the saints, and praise the Lord together. You show me such a person, and I will show you a person who is spirit-filled. But if you show me a person who does not enjoy praising God, singing his praises, doing so with the saints. They couldn't give two beans about going to church today and being together with God's people and praising him. I will show you a person who is not spirit-filled. Let's go on to the next verse. What's the second command? Verse 20. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even the Father. Okay, so let me apply the same thing here that we just did. You show me a person who is thankful to the Lord. They exude thankfulness. They praise God. And even when the worst things in life happen to them, they still say, may the name of the Lord be praised. Their life is filled with prayer and thanksgiving. I will show you a person who is spirit-filled. But if you show me such a person who is not thankful to God, what is their attitude like instead? They complain about their circumstances. They bicker and argue with others. They become jealous of someone else's opportunities. Oh, if I just had the same opportunities that person had, I would be in much better situation or position that I'm in right now. And they're not thankful to God. They complain and they argue. I will show you a person who is not spirit-filled. Let's continue on. What's the third command? Look at verse 21. Being subject to one another... In fear of Christ. So you know where I'm going with this, right? You show me a person who is subject to those authorities in their life, and they do so in the fear of God. I will show you a person who is spirit-filled. But if you show me a person who constantly rebels against that authority, especially the context of that authority that Paul is going to lay down here in just a moment, the, the context that he gives here, you show me a person who rebels against that authority, and I will show you a person who is not spirit-filled. 
Now, trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. This is not recap for the sake of recap. This is important for the context of the passage that we're looking at today. And perhaps you already see the connection. So flowing from the command to submit to one another out of the fear of Christ, we are then given three contexts of submission. Wives to husbands, children to parents, and slaves to masters. But the husband, father, and master, what do all three of those have in common? They're all men, by the way. All three of them have a master that they must be subject to. And that is the Lord Christ. So look at the first contrast that we have there in verse 22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. So let's apply here what we've been applying. You show me a wife who is subject to her husband, and she does so in the joy of the Lord. And I will show you a woman who is spirit-filled. But if you show me a wife who is a feminist, the feminism of the age has infected her mind. If sin has darkened her heart, And bitterness has spoiled her character. And her desire is for those things that are contrary to the will of God. She will not be subject to her husband. And I will show you a woman who is not spirit-filled. The husband is to subject himself to Christ. And just as Christ gave himself up for a church... So a husband must give himself up for his wife. Now, if you did not hear Pastor Tom's sermon last week with regards to this particular section, then I encourage you to go home after today, look it up online, and listen to it. Very important, and for the whole church, not just for husbands, but everyone to understand that the husband is a picture of the way that Christ loves his church. God has given the gift of marriage in this way, that it would point us to him. So a husband is to love his wife just as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. You show me a husband who sacrifices for his wife and who gives her the word of God, And I will show you a husband who is spirit-filled. But if you show me a husband who neglects those duties and does not love his wife as Christ loves the church, I will show you a husband who is not spirit-filled. Husbands, listen to me on the day that we have to stand before Christ and we have to give an account of all that we've done as husbands. Don't you want to say to Christ, God, here is my wife. I took care of that which you entrusted to me. I sacrificed for her as you sacrificed for me. I gave her your word as you gave your word to me. And now I present her to you for splendor. As you have promised to me. Now men, I want you to keep that picture in your mind. Because I'm going to come back to that again here a little bit later on as we 
consider these contexts. You show me a husband that wants that, and I'll show you a husband who is spirit-filled. So now we are here again at chapter 6, verse 1. We're on to our second contrast. The third contrast, Pastor Tom will get to later, that's with regards to the relationship between slaves and masters. Today we are considering that children are to be subject to their parents and fathers are to discipline their children. So, girls and boys, moms and dads, look at this with me. Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what? Right. It's right. It's righteous for children to obey mom and dad. So, boys and girls, I want you to look up here at Pastor Gabe. You show me the boy or girl that obeys their parents and submits to their authority. And I will show you a child, a child who is spirit-filled. But if you show me a boy or a girl who rebels against the authority of their parents, who does not do what their parents say when they tell them, but delays obedience or does not obey at all. And I will show you a child who is not spirit-filled. You understand what I'm saying, boys and girls? Now, if you think that what I'm saying to you sounds a little bit harsh, I want you to know I talk to your moms and dads the same way. But I say this to you because I care about you. And I want you to be spirit-filled. When I have to discipline my children, when I have to punish them for doing wrong, I make sure to explain to them what they've done wrong so they recognize this is the reason why you're being punished. And I tell them, I want you to learn. I don't want you to do the wrong thing. I want you to learn to do the right thing and to do it in honor of God. I tell my daughters, I want you to grow up to become godly women. I tell my sons, I want you to grow up to become a man of God. And boys and girls, I want the same thing for each and every one of you. I want you to grow up to be spirit-filled by trusting Him and obeying Him. Now, I ask this question of my children sometimes. I I ask them this around uh, the, the dinner table, you know, when we're doing our devotions, or I'll ask them this even individually, sometimes when I'm one on one with my kids. I will ask them, do you love Jesus? So let me ask you, and I'll ask this of everybody in the room. Anybody can answer this. Do you love Jesus? Yes, that was a slow yes. (laughs) If you love Jesus, how do you show your love for Christ? By obeying him and doing what he has said. In John 14, 15, Jesus said to his disciples, you will show me that you love me when you obey my commandments. Now, Our obeying Christ is not how we fall in love with Christ. I'm going to obey him until I love him. No, obeying Christ is a demonstration that we love Christ. 
And if you can sing this morning as we have sung, my God is near and loves me still. I am adopted, loved, and known. Then show that you love Jesus. Show that you are spirit-filled by trusting in him and obeying him. And this command that comes from Christ to children is this. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, Paul grounds this instruction by going back to the Ten Commandments, specifically the Fifth Commandment. Look with me at verses 2 and 3. Honor your father and your mother. And then you have in parentheses there a note of commentary from the apostle, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long in the land. So let's consider the commandment first, and then let's consider the promise. Honor your father and your mother, which I said to you before is the fifth commandment. What is the significance of the placement of this command in the Ten Commandments? Well, the Ten Commandments are what we call the Decalogue, Deca meaning ten. The Ten Commandments summarize the whole law of God. And even these Ten Commands can be divided up into two what we call tables, the two tables of the law. The first table is made up of vertical commands. They have to do with our relationship with God. The second table of the law are horizontal commands. They have to do with our relationships with one another. Jesus summarized all of this law in this way when he said, You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, and with all your strength. And you will love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands, he said, hinge all the law and the prophets. Or you might have heard the law summarized this way. Love God, love others. That is the summation of all of the law of God. Now, before moving on, let's consider the commands that make up the first table of the law. My kids could recite these with me. They were in first service. They're not in here in, in this service, but they learned all of these commands by song. So I had to tell them before church today, hey, when daddy gets up and he recites the Ten Commandments, don't break out in song and sing it along with dad. But this is how we taught our kids the Ten Commandments. So what is the first command? I am the Lord your God, you will have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. What is the second commandment? You will not raise up a graven image and worship idols. Third commandment, you will not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Fourth commandment, you will honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. There are the first four commandments and the first table of the law. Now, of these commandments, there's not a promise. Now, it's not like, uh, you know, you won't receive blessing from God just by loving the Lord. We will. We are blessed by the Lord when we love him and we do as he says. But there's not a particular promise attached to those first four commands. But when we get to the next six commands, the first of the horizontal commands and how we love our neighbor, right? The first command is what? Honor your father and your mother. And that command comes even with a particular promise. It's right there in Exodus 20, 12. That your days may be prolonged in the land which Yahweh, your God, gives to you. 
So you see how important this commandment is when it comes to the commands that God has given for loving one another. The very first one is honor your father and your mother. This is When We Understand the Text with Pastor Gabe Hughes. There are lots of great Bible teaching programs on the web, and we thank you for selecting ours. But this is no replacement for regular fellowship with a church family. Find a good, gospel-teaching, Christ-centered church to worship with this weekend, and join us again tomorrow as we continue our Bible study When We Understand the Text.